Simple, simple prayer. I hope there's no one here like this, but there may be, because I think a lot of people, they take something that is simple, and they, they say it's hard or difficult, so they don't have to do it. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you, know, you used to do that with your parents, right? And say, say uh, I don't know how to do that, mom or dad. Uh, I, I just couldn't figure it out, so I left it for you to fix when you got home, you know? And sometimes I think we even do that with prayer. Is that's a good cop-out. I don't know how to pray, pastor, so, you know, I, I just kind of leave it up to you guys that know how to pray. You know, I, I, it seems so hard the way, the, whether, uh, way other people do it, and so, so maybe, maybe that's kind of why I, I can't do it. I can't get by it, you know? You know, I, there was a time, there was when we were serving in Chicago, uh, and I got a phone call one day from, from uh, my boss, the state overseer, and I was there at the state office. He called. He said, I'm running late. I'm meeting some people. They're, they're going to be there in a few minutes. I am not going to be there. Please apologize to them. Make them comfortable. Do whatever you can. Talk to them. And have, have a pot of coffee waiting on them when they get there. Now, I didn't say that I don't know how to make coffee, but because of the hesitation, because I didn't respond immediately, he picked up on it and he said, you can't make coffee, can you? And I thought, oh no, my job is in jeopardy because I don't know how to make coffee. But you know, you know what, what do you think I said? I didn't say, yes, it sounds too hard, so I'm not making coffee. You think that's what I said? No. I, I said, no, but my wife is right next door and she's a big coffee drinker and we will have coffee ready when they get there. And so I called my wife, she came over, right? I mean, we don't just cop out because something is hard. What do we do? We find a way to do the important things. Can I get an amen there? I mean, right, don't we? We find a way to do the important things. I mean, eating. How many of y'all are gonna find a way to eat today? Right, you know? There's a lot of things that may get in your way of a lot of stuff, but I'm gonna find a way to eat somehow, some way, right? We do the important stuff, but we cop out sometimes on just the stuff because it's like, you know, there are some people that, that don't, they, they think vacation is hard. They don't want to do, they don't like to do vacation, right? You ever, anybody know anyone like that? You ever heard somebody say, there you go, I got a couple of hands. You know, so, I mean, I've heard people say that going on vacation is just too hard. Let me tell you something. If vacation is hard for you, you are doing it wrong. You know, you, I'll give you some lessons, all right? If, you, if it is too hard for you, you are doing it wrong. And can I say that about prayer? If prayer is hard for you, you're doing it wrong. Prayer is not a hard thing. And that's what I want to share with you. I mean, my purpose today, normally uh, I, I try to wrap up all of my study of my sermon early and, and for the last two or three days, just try to think about that one purpose. Got all this stuff in my head, but what's the one purpose? Here's the purpose today. is to get you to pray a little bit more. No matter how much you're praying, get you to pray a little bit more. And, and a lot of the reasons some of you aren't praying more is because you've got all these ideas in your head about what prayer is. You've heard somebody say that they love to lay on their face before God three hours a day, and it's so amazing and powerful. And you want that amazing and powerful, but your ADD won't let you do anything for 15 minutes without having to change. You know, you can't imagine how in the world am I gonna pray for three hours on my face. It's because you're doing it wrong. I don't mean you're doing it wrong because their way is wrong. I mean, you gotta do it your way. 
It doesn't matter what your posture is, if you're sitting or standing. It doesn't matter where you are right here. You know, uh, we used to use a term back when I was uh, younger that called prayer closet, meaning that didn't mean you crawled in the closet to pray. It's just that was your place, and you called it your place of prayer. Or, or driving down the road. You, you can be praying in your cubicle at work. And, and so, but when you try to do it in the way somebody those prayers does it, it gets hard. When you hear somebody say, these are the prayers I pray, and you start praying those prayers, it does get hard. And here's why. It's because there's not a formula for prayer. It's not a, 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 there's not a way to do prayer. So that's what we need to kind of just get rid of today. Quit trying to do it a certain way and just, just pray. But I don't know how. Okay, let, let's talk about a few confusing things. I think things that we've gotten confused about with prayer. Let's talk about those. And, and the very first one is because people say, well, I don't know how to pray. Teach me to pray. No one learns to pray. No one learns to pray. We don't learn to pray. Okay, now, some of you maybe want to argue with me right here. Okay, we do grow in prayer. But you don't learn to pray. And I, I hope you will understand what I mean when you hear these first few confusing things right here, okay? It's because God doesn't want you to learn how to pray. He wants you to grow deep, yeah, but he does not want you to learn how to pray. And, and some of you that's been in church a while, you may remember Matthew chapter six, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And so we say, God, Jesus taught them to pray. No, we didn't. If he taught them to pray, that's like memorizing because those verses nine through 13, that, that's the, um, that's the Lord's prayer. And if you learned the Lord's prayer, you didn't really learn how to pray. You learned how to quote something somebody else prayed. You're not praying if you're just quoting what somebody else said. Jesus didn't give us the Lord's prayer so that we could quote it. You don't learn to pray like that. that you know, no one really learns to pray. Here's what Jesus did. What Jesus did is, is he gave them an outline. He reminded them of the thing. Here's the things you can pray about. First of all, pr worship him. Just say, oh, our Father who art in heaven. I'm going to speak a little King James here this morning. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, praise him, worship him, glorify him. So it, that, he's just telling them these are the things you need. Not saying these words because I think that's what some of us think. When we learn to pray, we'll have the right words, right? But it's not about those right words. And he said, talk about God's will. Call God's will into power. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I tell you something? If you're a child of God, one of the things you need is you need God's will to happen on this earth. You, see, you, don't, you, need, you need your boss's will to quit happening in your life. Can I get an Amen. You need your enemy's will to quit happening in your life. Your God wants the very best for you, so you need to be asking for his will like it's done in heaven, like the angels do his will. You need that to happen right here, so you need to be calling God's will into effect. That's what he's saying here. Don't say these words, but do this. And he says, daily needs and provisions, give us this day our daily bread. What do you need today? I mean, see, if you just learn this prayer you're just gonna be praying for daily bread. I, I got more needs than just bread today. I'm gonna try to do my best, take care. I'm not gonna let anything get in the way of me in lunch today, you know, if at all possible. But I need more than just that. So your daily provision and confession, forgiveness and grace. It's not just confession and forgiveness for us, but also for others. That we're, we're, we're saying, God, forgive us our debts, forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who, are, who are, uh, are indebted to us or who have sinned against us. And so it's not just, God, give me grace, but God, also give me grace for somebody else, for someone who has hurt me, and, and for the battles. We face battles. 
It's not just about our daily provision. You're struggling with something. And Jesus says, go to battle for this thing. This is what he's saying. He's not giving us a little prayer to pray. He's telling us, you need to go to battle. You need to go to battle. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He's saying, you need to go to battle and pray over those evils that are coming into your life. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And praise him one more time. And it's not just praise that just glorifies him, but it's a, it's a praise that I'm trusting in who you are. I thank you, God, for who you are, but I trust in that because yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory. And, and, so, and so it's building him up and saying, this is what I trust in. See the amazing power that is, this is what I trust in. So all, all Jesus is doing is giving us an outline here. He is not saying, this is how you pray. We don't learn how to pray. And, and I think, I think here's, here's a way to maybe help you really see this. Is Jesus, because this is, the Lord's Prayer is about 50 words, according to which translation you read it out of, and, and, it, and it's remembered by two disciples, just a few words differently here or there. But it's about 50 words. But you know, when Jesus prayed, now there were times Jesus prayed real quick, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing right here by Christmas. Father, forgive them. He prayed that, that quick. But the night before, he prayed that prayer on the cross. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, he prayed, he prayed so long the disciples went to sleep and he came over and he woke Simon Peter up, said, could you not hang in here with me an hour? An hour? So he gives us a 50-word prayer for us to memorize? No. He's just kind of showing us, here's some things you ought to be thinking about when you're praying because he goes to prayer when he's really in need because he knows he's about to be crucified the next day. And he prays for an hour. And then he goes away and he pray, it says he prays again the same thing, comes back and finds him asleep and goes back and prays again, prays in the same way. Maybe he doesn't pray the exact same words. Maybe he doesn't pray an hour. Maybe he just prays 40 minutes. But he's praying. He's praying serious. We don't learn to pray, okay? That's not the way this thing works. But Watch here with me, and maybe you'll see the way this thing works, okay? Eloquence, sec secondly, eloquence is not required. You know those people that pray with those long, long words that none of us remember, or none of us know, and some of us can't remember anymore from the, and, and I, I may be getting myself in trouble here. I don't, I try not to offend anybody on Sunday morning like this, but that, isn't it funny when you hear somebody pray in King James English, you know? As if God understands King James better than he understands any other language or whatever, you know. And, and they pray in those long words, the these and the thous and, and, and going into all of that. And, and, you know, God doesn't understand King James better than he understands any other ways of English or any other language. I mean, you know, if your first or middle name is Bubba, then pray in Bubba because God understands Bubba too. Can I get an Amen. Yeah, he understands Bubba. He understands that. God, because God's not, you know, really so intent on the word so much as he's just, he's just listening to your heart. This is a, that's what this thing is. It, it, eloquence is not required because this is a conversation. That's what prayer is. Prayer was not meant to be a monologue. All right, let's lead into this just a little bit, okay? Let's start right here. Right now, you're listening to a monologue. Occasionally, you'll throw out an amen or whatever, right? Uh, or you'll chuckle, you know, uh, when I say something about Bubba, you know. But this is pretty much a monologue. 
At the end, now this could be happening right now because all you're hearing is, you know, my voice and you're hearing it with your ears. But if you will hear deeper, there can be more than just monologue going on here. At the end of the service, we see this happening specifically because what we do when, when, when we like to close at the front, if you're first time attender, we'll invite you to come with us if you'd like to. We like to close with a final prayer and a final song. And in that prayer and song, what are we doing? We're responding to what God has spoken to us. Now you might not be doing that. You might just be singing. But what we really hope you're doing is you're responding to whatever God has spoken to you. Not, not the words coming out of my mouth, but what's going on in your heart right now. Whatever he's challenging you with. And so you come and you respond. And when you respond, when you say, God, I was listening today and I want you to really help me with this, this, or whatever. When you respond, you know what you've done? You've turned prayer from monologue, you've turned it into dialogue, Right? You know, you've turned the sermon, you've turned it from monologue into dialogue. Same thing is, is like with, with the Word of God, when we, when we read the Word of God. It's monologue for most people. They're just reading it, and some people are reading it because I, I need to be reading my Bible, so, you know, scrolling up through, you know, reading my Bible app, and I got to do this because I really need to do this to be a good Christian, so I'm, I'm reading it. Okay, done, close it, put it in my pocket, and gone on, right? And it's monologue. It's in- but you can turn your Bible, your devotion into dialogue by reading that and saying, not, not hearing what, okay, well, that's interesting about the world, but think, what does this say to me? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. God, God is speaking right. This, this is showing me this problem I've got at work with that problem person. Oh, wow. You know, here's the problem. I thought the problem with it. Here's the problem. Oh God, you know, help me, help me realize this and understand, man, this can make all the difference in the world tomorrow at work. Wow, God, that's amazing. That's the kind of thing he wants to do. Or, or wow, I'm sick and I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know God said I could be healed. Right here it says I could, I could be healed. And say, God, I, I want you to heal me because this, this scripture right here tells me that I can be healed. And so when you, when you read and you're not, just hear, you're not just reading it, but you stop and you listen and then you respond to that and say, thank you, God. For sharing. <clears throat> Thank you, God, for sharing that with me. And when, when, you, when, you, when, when you do that, you've turned, you've turned the Bible reading from monologue, you've turned it into dialogue. And the same thing is true with prayer. See, when we pray, if we just pray and we just tell God all the stuff we want to tell him, get up, run out the door, we're done, got to get on with life, got to get on with our day and whatever, it's monologue. We're just, we're just telling God stuff. But prayer was not meant to be monologue. It's meant to be dialogue. Pray a little bit. I mean, talk out loud, or talk quietly, talk in your head, whatever you have to do. But then stop and just listen a minute. And say, so, well, I don't know how to listen to God. Okay, don't get me started on another subject right here, right? Because right now you're listening to God. Because something's going on in here. You know how that happens in the middle of a service. It goes on in here too. It's not just what you're hearing with these ears, but there's something. And God says, that was for you. You've heard that. You've heard that. In the same way when you're praying, if you'll slow down long enough, not get in such a hurry to get on with your life and get on with your day, if you'll stop for just a moment, if you pray and, and just stop and just listen. And see, and, and for everybody, this is different. And for me, one of, one of my best places to really get along with God is in the car. I know, that doesn't sound, I know that doesn't sound really, really deep, really, really spiritual, maybe to some of you. But as a pastor, let me tell you, you know, when you get in your car, you're not supposed to use your cell phone. So I have the excuse when I am in my car that I don't have to be interrupted if I don't want to be, you know, if I'm driving down the road. 
as a, as a dad and a granddad of three little grandkids, let me tell you, uh, sometimes I have to go to three, four, five rooms in the house before I find a room where I can be alone and nobody can find me, you know? But I get in the car and I don't listen to the radio. I don't listen to a lot of CDs unless somebody's in the car with me, especially the grandkids. Then we listen to CDs, Laurie Berkner. I don't know if you know any of the names or the songs, but I do. But if it's just me, I don't listen to the radio. Most of the time, I don't listen to a CD because that's my time. I can get along with God and, and, and I can talk to him and I can just, and I, you know, and I talk to him just a little bit and I can just drive. And I, you know what? I, I can't get out of the car and run away from that moment of prayer with him because I'm going going somewhere. And so it's like I'm connected in that moment and I'm going to listen to him. And, and I hear so many things from God in those moments when I can get alone. Take the time to just stop and wait and listen because that's where you're, because prayer was meant to be dialogue. And you've got, but you've got to take the time. You can't hurry. You can't run and run and run and just keep throwing little prayers at God. And, and the fourth one is something that a lot of people think. They, they, I've, I've heard people say this, you know, nothing's ha- I pray and nothing's happening, so I must be doing it wrong. Really about the only way you can do prayer wrong is to just not do it real. You know, try to do it the way somebody else does it. Okay, because it, that's not what prayer is. Prayer is not, it, it's not a pattern, it's, it's not a formula, it's not something you can memorize. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is just conversation. It's just two people talking, you and God. And so it's, it's not any of, those, any of those kinds of things. But, so there is, no, there is no real wrong way to do it unless you're just not being real about it. But look at this verse here, verse John chapter five, verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. Confidence. You see, for those people who are saying, prayer isn't working, okay, you're giving up, right? You say it's not working, and so it makes you want to just give up. But you can have confidence, and here's the confidence that you can have when you approach God with, with your needs or your hurts or your, your, your problems that you're going through, your battles and your struggles. And here it is, is if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, is that God will hear you. And, and the next verses, I, I wish you'd go there and just read the next verses because it says if, if we know he hears us, then we know we have the petition or the prayer that we make to him if we know he hears us. What, what is this talking about? This is talking about conversation. It's not talking about a formula. It's not talking about, uh, you know, about learning some words, but it's conversational. That, and if we have this conversation and we, and we know that he's hearing us, then we know that we can have the petitions, that we will have the petitions made. That's what the very next verse says. And how do we have this confidence? If we ask anything according to his will. Okay, so here's the thing. You don't get to just ask what you want and run off. This is not like laying out a wish list. Hey, God, here's what I need today. Okay, there it is, God, and go out the door. That's not the way this thing works. But you see, when you and God talk, and and you wait and he talks back to you, now we've got something going on here. And and God can can share some things with you. God, God can tell you some things that you need to know and you need to hear. And, and, and you know, because we, we really want to just kind of say, God, here are my needs, now meet all our needs. It's like we want to treat God like a Santa Claus. 
Come in on Sunday morning, climb up in his lap, tell him all the things we need, run out the door, maybe get a piece of candy, you know, as we're climbing out of his lap, right? Some little treat, spiritually speaking, okay? You know, we'll get a little something, get a little touch or whatever. But, and we treat God that way. That's not the way this thing works. That's not the way prayer works. Prayer is not that. What prayer is, is prayer is just conversation between you and God. Just talking to him. And, and wait, you got to wait and listen to him talk. But, and it's got to be, it's, that thing that says it's got to be according to his will. It's like, oh man, oh, no, 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 no. Here's the way this thing happens, okay? Here's the way it works. Is you, you, you got a job that you're wanting to apply for. And, and really, like, it's the perfect job. And so you say, God, this morning, you say, God, I really want that job. And you head on out the door. You know, and then you're going to say next week, well, God said no. God doesn't just say No if you're conversing with him. You know, if you're just throwing things at him and he's got to just throw one word back at you, yeah, you're going to get a no a lot of times because you guys aren't together yet. But when you're in conversation with him and communication and it's going back and forth, here's, here's, here's the way this thing works. is you've got this job that you really want. It's a perfect job. It's an amazing job. And so you pray and you tell God that, but you gotta, you got to hang around here and wait just a few minutes and, and just listen to what God is going to say. You know, you're going to get in your car or you're going to, wherever your place is. You know, my place is, and, and listen, I, I don't just pray in the car, okay? All right, but that's just a place I really love. And me and God, we're totally alone. And you get it, you get it, you get alone, and you, so you're praying that, say, God, I really want this job. And then you got some time, wherever it is that you are, and, and you're hearing back from him. And he doesn't just say no. He says, let me tell you why this ain't the job for you. You say, God knows stuff you don't know. Man, I, I, I don't know how many times I've said that over the past several months. God knows stuff you don't know. He knows that that company might be going out of business in a couple of weeks. They may be going bankrupt. He, he knows if maybe the CEO is about to be arrested and thrown in jail. And so you're saying, God, I want this job. Why are you saying no? But you're not standing there and listening for him to tell you. And, and the fact of the matter is he knows stuff that's going to happen that you don't know. And so he says, if you'll listen to him, he will say no. And maybe he'll even explain to you because God doesn't just say no. He wants us to understand. He wants us, does it with understanding. And so sometimes he will explain to us some of the things that are going on. And if he doesn't explain to us, or if we still don't get it, then he can still give us peace about it until if we're in that conversation with him. And so what he may say back to us is, you know, no, this is not the job for you. And then he said, he may, God knows about the job that you need. And so he may share with you, you know, and you just feel in your heart that, you know, I need to call so-and-so and just ask them if they know any jobs. And that may be the thing from God that he's telling you because you didn't just pray, throw it at him and run out, but you stopped and you listened. And dialogue came back and God said this. And so this is what happens is you and God, as you're discussing and as you're talking, then you're getting closer and closer to one another and your, your spirit is, you're not, you're not negotiating, but you're coming in agreement together. You understand that? Coming in agreement together. And when you come in agreement together, then you can pray and know that he hears you in the next verse. And because you know, he hears, you know that you have the petition. You see, God wants us to talk to him. And that's all that prayer is. It's that simple. He wants us to talk to him. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 17. Paul says, pray without ceasing, without ending. Pray constantly. Now that doesn't mean that you're walking around moving your lips all the time, you know, mumbling to yourself. You know, that might get somebody to call the people to come with a white coat with the long arms, you know, that they wrap all the way around behind your back. 
have to be careful about something. Now, you know, it's not that you got to look like a, a, an idiot walking around mumbling to yourself all the time. That's not what he's talking about. Here, here, here's what, and I, th- I think this generation, the generation you and I live in today, I think this is one of the ways, I think there's a lot of ways to explain this. I think this is a way, you know, if you've got a BFF that you text, and you text a couple of times every hour of the day, all day long, you know, and at the end of the day, you probably look back and say, man, we texted all day long. Did that mean that was all you did? No. Did that mean that, you, that there weren't some maybe 10, 20, 30, 45 minute breaks, maybe even an hour or two break in between? No, didn't mean that, but you were in constant communication all day long. That's what this means, to pray without ceasing. It means to, to be like that. It means to always be in touch. You know, this thing, with, this thing of, of the dialogue and the conversation, it's not supposed to be something that, you know, is this deep. Because we, we, we do develop, we do get deeper, we do grow in this, okay? But we don't learn it, but we grow. And it's like this. It's like, you know, and this may be happening to you. You may be speaking to some people on Sunday morning in a real hurry, you know. And a couple of weeks ago, we had a young lady that was here, and and, uh, and I asked her, hey, is this just your first time here? And she said, no. And the person standing next to her said, uh, you ask her that every time she comes. And somebody after the first service said, I'm glad you said that. That makes me feel a whole lot better because I've asked somebody that before too. And you know, here's the thing is I need to have a little bit deeper conversation with her. Now I know her name and I guarantee you now that I know that about what, you know, I keep asking that, I will never forget, you know, that she is, that she has been here before and I know her name too, right? I need some more conversation with her. But if all I do is say, hey, it's good to have you today. Have you been here before? I, if that's all I get, if that's all I ask and I only get a response, no, I've been here before, then next week, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to say, hey, hi. you know, there are some Sundays that, you know, that, uh, that, that people, it seems like people are in a hurry that I'm standing back there and I feel like I'm just high-fiving the salmon swimming upstream headed somewhere, you know? It's like people are in such a hurry. I need some time with you to get to know you if I'm going to know something about you and be able to care. And so the first conversations are, hey, glad you're here. And then like, oh, do you have family here? Do you have family coming with you today? And you get deeper. Then I find out what you like. I like what sports you like. Or maybe you're a NASCAR fan. If you are, thank you for being here today and not being in Talladega. You know, but I learned these things. And I can converse with you a little bit more and a little bit more. But until I begin to have longer and deeper conversations with you, I don't get anywhere. And so every time we come to church, you know, I have to say, hey, I'm glad you're here. Have you been here before? I kind of wonder sometimes. Now, God knows everything, and he doesn't forget, but I kind of wonder sometimes if that's the way God looks at us. Is like, hey, glad you're at church today. Have you been here before? Because the only time we talk is like me and that girl, you know, that young lady. We just talk for just a few moments, and it's really just shallow. And if the only time you speak to him is that, yeah, you don't have dialogue going on. Take it deeper. Because when you do take it deeper... When you take it there, then you get to the, where, you, where you are sure that you know that. Pray. It's like converse. Converse. Oh, and let me show you this. Matthew 7, 7. You've probably heard this from the King James. Ask and you shall receive. You've heard that before, a lot of you, right? Most of you? And it's ask, you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. But the actual Greek word that is there, and, and I'm not a Greek scholar, I'm not even a, a, an English grammar scholar, okay? Uh, my, my daughter has to prove stuff for me a lot of times as far as grammar and things like that. And I think this thing is called a present imperative or something like that. That's why it, some of the translations you add the I-N-G because that's really what that Greek word means there. And so here's what God is saying. He's not saying, ah, you know, crawl up my lap, ask, seek, and knock, and it's going to happen. That's not what he's saying. 
He's saying, keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on not. Here's what he's saying. Converse with me. I want to talk to you, buddy. I don't want to just see you on Sunday morning. I don't want to just hear you for a little while. Let's talk all week long. And, and, uh, and for some of you, that sounds so, it may still sound so difficult because you're thinking, you're thinking about you know, be, having to be on your face or having to be in this posture or having to say these words. No, that's not what he's saying. He's just saying all day long, give me a high five every once in a while. Say, God, that was a good one, Lord. You really did something amazing yesterday for me. You know, or, or, or like when something bad happens and say, oh God, I could really use your help right now. You know, when you don't have, you know, sometimes you don't have time to call your best friend or whatever and say, man, I'm having a tough day. But you know what? You can always just tell God I'm having a tough day. He wants that. Or, or sometimes when something good happens, you know, you do a really good job and you can't really toot your own horn because it sounds like you're tooting your own horn, right? You know, and you really wish there was somebody I could tell about this amazing thing that I did. God's up for that. He loves to hear you tell about the amazing thing and just say, God, I really did an awesome job on that thing yesterday, didn't I? I really had a win. And, and oh, and then follow it up with this and say, God, I know that you're the one that deserves the credit because you gave me the power, the strength, and you gave me the wisdom to get that win. Oh, God would love to hear those kinds. That's what God is looking for. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on finding. God wants to talk to you. He wants to, and, it, and it's just conversation, guys. It's not that complicated. Last, this is my last point. It's three sub points, so don't get excited just yet, okay? Don't, don't start getting your keys out or anything. That was the thing when I was growing up. When you were a kid in England, you know church was about over. Is God wants your prayer life to be fruitful. And so he gives you things to help it be fruitful. One of those is scripture. Okay? All right, now imagine I just, I just grabbed a few right here, okay? Imagine praying these things because you're sick and, and, and you memorize Isaiah 53 verse five. You don't have to memorize it word for word for word like you would need to give it maybe in a test, but memorize it enough that you can pray and say, God, I am sick, I don't feel good, but your word says by your stripes, I am already healed. You were past tense healed. I'm already healed. It's already taken care of God and ask you, or, or uh, you're going through a tough time and, and, and so you, you go to the Bible and you find this scripture and you pray this scripture. God, I'm going through a tough time, but your word says if I call on you, you will answer me. Not maybe, but you will answer me. Or you're going through a tough time and God, I, I, I don't know how much longer I can handle this, but Psalm 91 verse 15 says that you will be with me in times of trouble and that you will deliver me out of it. Or, or God, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be a giver, but I've got, I've got financial problems, Lord, and I'm trying to be a giver. And your word says that when will it, it will be given back to me, good, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will it be poured into my life? That's what your word says. And so God, I, I'm believing you for that in the middle of my need and no matter what the need is, God, your word says that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or even imagine. God, you've got a bigger imagination than I've got and I really need you to show up with your imagination today and meet my need this powerfully. And, and uh, Philippians 4, 19, God, your word says that you will supply all of my need, not according to my ability to pray, but according to your awesome riches in your kingdom. Wow, imagine if you could start praying those kinds of prayers. 
with the power. Because, you know, reminding God of what he said, but, you know, God doesn't really need to be reminded. We need to be reminded that he has already promised this stuff to us. So here's, I got two things on the Sunday's page that I want, I want you to look at, and I, I hope you'll do it today. And one of them is, I, I researched, I, I read through a, quite a few of them before I came upon this one. There is a link there to, to, a, to a webpage, one webpage. It's got, I think it's 200 and something scriptures that are there, and they're categorized by needs and prayers. And, and you, need to, you need to go there, save this, download the document or something. You need to save it so you can go find you some scripture prayers that you can pray. Oh, I, there are people sitting here that could tell you the power of praying the scripture. You, you just need to try it one time. Go find you a scripture prayer and memorize it. You don't have to memorize it word for Word, but memorize it or mark it some way. Save it on your on your smartphone. So so you know when you're when you're in the middle of your problem, you can find it again and you can start praying these things. Go there and say that over two hundred something. And imagine imagine being able to pray not just what you are thinking, but what God is thinking too. That's what this is doing is is putting you and Him in agreement together. So back to First John chapter five verse seventeen, you will know that you are heard. And because you know you're heard, you'll know you'll have what you need. There's that. Go with that. Second, I, I need to say this real quick, but fasting. Fasting. Uh, the clinical definition or term of fasting is doing without something. You know, and if you don't know what that is, spiritually speaking, maybe you've, you know, you've had a test, something coming up, and the doctor told you, fast from midnight on. Don't, meaning don't eat. You know, and they might even say, don't eat, don't drink anything after midnight. So, so fast means to do without but that's not, Isaiah 58 and 6 is an amazing scripture for fasting because it points, us at, it points us to this fact that fasting is not just doing without something. It is doing without something so you can do something that is better. As Brent preached last week about distractions, that last set of verses he carried us to in the book of Hebrews, it talked about how, how we got to lay aside sin and things that, weights or burdens that we have that are hindering us so we can run we can we can make some progress here okay so that's what fasting is fasting is not just doing away with things but not just sin not just bad stuff but good stuff there's good stuff and, and anything good in your life can get in the way anything good in your life can get in the way and it can become so important to you you know it's not just video games or whatever it is that you do to waste time. It can be something really, really good that every once in a while you need to take a break from. Boy, I've been blessed to hear from several young men who, who have taken this, this, this challenge of, of not dating for a year because, not that dating is bad, but that's another discussion for another time. Not that dating is bad, but that there's something else that I'm not getting done if I'm focusing so much on, on this relationship and this girl. And so I'm, I'm taking this time. And I'm taking this time to focus on some more important things because there, there's a lot of us. And those of us who are married say, well, that's not talking to me. Yeah, it's talking to you. You're just married and, and you need to take a break for some other things because maybe you need to spend a little more time on your spouse. But you, need to take, you need to take those breaks. That's what fasting is. So, so here, here's how fasting and prayer work together. Here's a little bit of a, I guess, of an example that maybe we get. If you want to lose weight, one of the things you can do to lose weight is you can exercise. The more you exercise, the more calories you burn, the more likely you are to drop some pounds. I mean, it, it, it does work that way, you know, but if you've got a Krispy Kreme diet, you know, you're going to have to be 
spending a whole lot of time exercising to burn off that many calories. So one of the other things you can do is you can swap your Krispy Kreme diet for a lean meat and vegetable diet, right? And if you'll do that, if you'll just, if you'll just do that, that's another way to lose weight. I mean, you cutting your calorie intake. So it's obvious that that's gonna work too. So you can, you can either exercise more or you can change your diet, right? Or you can do both. If you do both, man, it just increases the, 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 the progress you can make. And that's what prayer and fasting is. Prayer is like the exercise. And fasting is like changing the diet from things that are in my way and things that are keeping me from being what I need to be and changing it to things that are more important. And so when you add prayer and fasting together, it's like exercise and changing your diet. You have just exponentially increased your ability to make progress in the area you're working on. That's why fasting is important. Last thing, the Holy Spirit. Jesus um, told us about the Holy Spirit and a lot of things, but John 14, 26, he tells the disciples, but the Helper, capital H, he's, he's like giving him this name, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Meaning that, like some of you are thinking, but I don't know what to pray. Don't worry about it. Jesus said he's, he'll give you the Holy Spirit and he will tell you what to pray. I, I, I don't know when to pray. Don't worry about it. Jesus said he'll give you the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you when to pray. Like when all the rest of the world, oh no, what in the world are we gonna do? And the Holy Spirit said, it's time to pray. Oh, there's, there's some of you that know that, don't you? I mean, you, you've, you've heard that, it's time to pray. The Holy Spirit will teach you what, when, reminds you. Here's what you're ignoring. Here's what you're not seeing. Here's, it's time to pray. That's what the Holy Spirit will do for you. But, but here's the other reason I want you to go to the Sunday's page today, or you can just go straight, straight to the blog, because what, I, what I've, I've, I've linked, I've linked the blog there, my blog, because the next few days I want to write to you about some things about the Holy Spirit. Because in the last few chapters of John, John chapter 14 on, in uh, really just three chapters and one verse in that last chapter, Jesus speaks, I counted 22 things Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit that the disciples need to know that you need to know. And so for the next few days, I'm gonna be writing those on my blog. And, and so I, I really encourage you, go today. And if you, it's got directions there if you don't know how to do it. Add your, add your email address and just follow it. Even if you don't wanna follow it after this week, drop out, but follow it this week, if you will. Do it today so you, so you get the next update. There's one there today, but do it today so you get the next. As soon as it hits, as soon as it posts tomorrow, you'll get an update that says, hey, it's been updated. You'll get a notification that says, it's been updated. Do you read these things because you need the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's, here's, here's the way this is working. It's like, if you just talk to God, your prayer is monologue, one-dimensional. But when you begin adding, you begin adding the dialogue of waiting and listening and hearing God and then responding back to him, you're taking this to another, a next dimension. And then when you begin to try to incorporate scripture into that, you're taking it even deeper. And, and then when, when you try to add a little fasting to it, every once in a while putting aside something, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna play video games you know, this week just so I can really focus more on this thing. You are taking it even deeper. And, and then when you begin to seek after the Holy Spirit and you will allow God to give you this helper 
allow this help give and operating in you. You were taking, and it's not like these are adding or even multiplying. It's like again, that's exponential when you get there. And I want I want to share some of that with you today because it's not. I mean, we've we've got an hour and fifteen minutes or so here today, together. It is not so important what we do in these moments as what we decide right now to do in our life. And so I challenge you today. I challenge you to go there for those prayer scriptures and go there and also for this understanding of the Holy Spirit. Because you know what we do when we pray and we, don't li- we just pray and we don't listen to God, we ignore him, we're killing our, our, we're killing our prayer. We're killing the fruitfulness. We're killing the ability for anything to happen. But it's the same thing when we ignore the fact that God has given us a Holy Spirit that is a helper, that is a baptizer, that is an infiller, that is an indweller, that is a power, that it is the power part of God. We ignore that. And you know what? We're not hurting God by ignoring that. We're hurting ourselves. Let's, let's take our prayer. And, and, and again, here's the thing, is the purpose today is to get you to pray a little bit more. Don't make it harder. Just do it. Just, just, just talk to God and just make up your mind you're going to. Would you join me at the front? If you're a first-time attender, as I said earlier, we like to close around front with a final prayer and a final song, and we'd love to have you join us. If you would, if you feel comfortable, please come on down front. We like this last moment to be together. The prayer team's getting ready to pray with you. couple of things. Um, one thing I, I feel like I absolutely have to do, I must do today, is I must tell you that this Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. Now, i really like for y'all to sit down and let me give y'all a 30-minute history lesson on the National Day of Prayer, okay? But we don't have time for that today. It's just like, this is important, but it's not the most important thing. But I will say, let me just say a couple things to you. All the way back to 1774, there were, there were days of prayer and fasting that were called in this country. We weren't even a country yet, and there were. Um, it, Boston was one, in my research, Boston was one of the first places I can find. Not long after that, they had the, the, the tea party, you know, the Boston Tea Party, and uh, right, right after that, because of um, Britain's response to it, I think it was Virginia, colony of Virginia, not the state of Virginia, we weren't a nation yet, they, it wasn't a state, colony of Virginia called for a day of prayer because of that. Uh, right after that, uh, I think it was Georgia, South Carolina, and Maryland. I said I wasn't going to give you this, the, the history lesson, was it? But they, they also call it, again, still colonies. Colonies. And, uh, but uh, I've got all these other things in my mind I can share with you. But let, let me try to wrap it up this way. Is to say that in the entire history of the United States of America, every president except for two have called for national days of prayer and fasting. And listen, it's not any that have been alive, those two are not any that have been alive in your lifetime, the oldest person here, okay? These were way, way, way back. Even though, even the presidents you don't like, they all called for national days of prayer. And you know what, we, we question a lot of times whether they're politicians, if they can even be Christians, right? We, hopefully we say that tongue in cheek, but we, we do question that, right? But here's, here's the sad thing, would be for 
politicians, Congress, to call for it, for presidents to declare it, and for the church to not pray. What, uh, that would be horrible. So this, this Thursday, this Thursday is National Day of Prayer. And the country, maybe not everybody in the country, but the country is being called to prayer. Come on, church. We got to do it. This country is not going to hell in a handbasket, as we used to say, because of the politicians. This country is going to go to hell in a handbasket if the church doesn't do what the church is supposed to do. We're, we're the ones that have the power. We're the ones that have the God standing with us. So I call you to prayer. But not, it's not just about Thursday for us because we're supposed to be in dialogue, communication, conversation with God every day of the week. We're the church. We're the church. My purpose today is to get you to pray just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And I told you several things that God did to try to make your, your prayers more fruitful. Let me give you one more. You know that scripture that I kind of mentioned to you over and over, Matthew 18 and 19? Let's look at it real quick if I can. And this is the words of Jesus. I, I mentioned this at the end of service. Uh, most Sundays, Jesus says, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth, are all of you on earth? Every one of you? Amen. None, none of y'all dead and in heaven yet, right? All of y'all are on earth. He's not talking about angels. He's not talking about your, your great-grandmother, that prayer warrior who's already dead and gone to be with him. He's talking about the people sitting, standing here right now, two of you on earth. Brother Philip, here, he is not perfect. Not talking about perfect people, talking about us. If two of you imperfect people who are still going through troubles and problems and everything else, if two of you agree about anything, man, I, I, that excites me. I, I, got, I got chill bumps thinking, he's talking about me. Even, even if I mess up and I make mistakes and I hurt somebody's feelings, he's talking about me. If two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. If two of us agree right here, two of us imperfect people, it's going to be done by our Father in heaven. If we here on earth agree, it'll be another there. Now, got all that other, but there it is. And so I, I want to ask you right now, what, what, what is it you need? Do you need something? That word says, let somebody agree with you. Let somebody agree with you. This, right now, this prayer team is anxious. We want to pray with you today. Let us agree with you. If you can share one little thing with us, just say, I need a job. That's good. We got something to agree with right now. I've, I sent an application last week, and they're meeting about it this week. I need to have a phone call soon. Good. Now we know what we can pray for, and we can agree together. And he said, we're, and we're going to listen to God and say, now, that, maybe that's not the job, but there's another. But let us agree today that it'll be done. Would you let us do that? Bow with me, if you will, for just a moment. And, and I want to ask you, if you've got a need, you can go ahead, go ahead and start making your way. Go ahead and start. And let some of this prayer team members just go ahead and take you by the hand and just agree right now.